NBA trade deadline week is here. What are the Jazz options? What will they do? Plus, what a super fun night. And the defense arrived for the Utah Jazz last night. It's all next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. On today's edition of Locked on Jazz, we will look at trade deadline week because I think that's actually on the forefront of your mind first. I debated for a long time what we were doing first. Were we just reacting to last night's game or were we trade deadlining? We're going to be a little schizophrenic because we're going to start trade deadline talking about what the Jazz options are, how the week's going to play out, what they're going to do, what happens next. And then we'll go to the Jazz defense arriving versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Kind of quarter by quarter, shot distribution by shot distribution. Some really good signs. One or two still a little slightly disturbing signs. Um, but overall, uh, really a lot of things done very, very well by the Jazz in that game. Uh, I thought Jordan Clarkson was impressive. Keontae was and Walker. We'll talk about all of them. Kelly was brilliant. A lot of guys played well. And then we'll go back instead of Trends Monday We'll look at more trade deadline teams. So it's a little schizophrenic. We're going to go back and forth uh, and finish up looking at teams um, as well today. With the trade deadline coming to us Thursday, Jazz will be in Phoenix. Uh, I am David Locke, as I mentioned. I'm the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. There for you. Please subscribe. Start. Thumbs up. Jazz win last night. Give it a thumbs up because the Jazz won last night in a super fun, exciting comeback from behind win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, please uh, do that and then uh, join in on any of the conversation and all the rest um, that you'd like to. So thanks so much for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you uh, in part by LinkedIn, who helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, since we've crossed the 50 game mark, we get to do this every day. We're 25 and 26. So we are now still in 10th. Houston is a game back. Houston lost last night. They are now 23 and 26. And the Warriors are still out there lingering, probably going to make some moves and make a run at us. They're at 21 and 25. They are a game and a half back for the 10th and final playing spot. Lakers have moved to a game ahead of us at 26 and 25 with a really impressive win in New York and a really impressive win in Boston. So they're suddenly doing good things on the trip. Dallas, by the way, is within two and struggling. All right. So how does that impact? I did that on purpose because we're in the midst of this run. How does that impact the trade deadline? And my answer is zero. I really think when you look at what's going to happen here in the trade deadline, that where the Jazz are currently sitting in the standings has zero, zero impact. In fact, that goes both directions. I, I don't think that the Jazz are going to decide to end up giving up. Like on there's the other side of this is, you know, if we don't make the play and we get our pick. So do I think the Jazz, let's go to the first option. Do I think the Jazz are going to go to the trade line with the intention of finding pieces to make sure that they move up in the standings? And the answer to that to me is no. 
And then the second one is, do I think the Jazz are going to intentionally move pieces with for the for the purpose of dropping out of the play-in? And the answer to me on that is no. So what the heck are they going to do? Well, I think the reason I say no to the first is I don't believe the Jazz vision and intention is to get better in April of 2024, right? The season ends around April 15th of 2024. And we're all looking at that. That's when we look at the standings and look at this. What we're focusing on is April of 2024. I, I don't think that's where the Jazz are focused, okay? What I... What I do think is the Jazz are focused at 2018, 2019. And that's where their focus is. So that means, could the Jazz make a trade for one of the more highly talked about players? Let's say DeJounte Murray uh, on Dunk Don's trade deadline prospect with Kevin Pelton, Dan Feldman, um, uh, Danny LaRue, and Nate Duncan. They, I think he on uh, Keldon Johnson gets traded from the Spurs and... and and Je- Devin Vassell gets talked about. So, like, big names. Do, do I see the Jazz making a move like that? Sure. I think that's totally possible. That the Jazz could get involved like something like that. They have the assets if the price gets to the right point. Because a move of that sort makes the Jazz better in 2018 or 2019. Do I think the Jazz could make a trade where they trade someone off of our roster who's currently a rotation player who could – who actually for an asset – and actually makes us less good right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think they could do that. I could even see the Jazz making a move to open up playing time for younger players with the dual benefit of getting an asset as well as opening up playing time that will probably cost us victories in the final 20-some-odd games of the season. I 100% think both of them are on the table, which is pretty wild and a pretty good place to be if you're a franchise. But I don't think any of the moves are going to be made with the intention of impacting April of 2024. I think they're all going to be made with impacting 2028 or 2029. So if you're trading, you trade for one of these more exciting players to us that helps us win immediately. But it would be really because that's a side benefit. Instead, it would be about having adding a piece to Lowry Market and Colin Sexton, Walker Kessler, and those things in Keontae George that you think are our foundational rotation piece, foundational pieces moving forward. And on the flip side, you know, we could make make a move where we think getting Taylor Hendricks playing time between now and the end of the season is vital for 2018 or 2019. And that, you know, makes it a difficult time, makes it difficult to win, or we get a first round draft pick for some. So I think that's it. What, listening to the dunked on trade deadline pros, uh, podcast, which they, they really do such a good job. What jumped out to me the most, from this was one that the jazz could be involved in everything and that they have the assets, the players, the positioning to be involved in everything. The second thing that jumped out to me is how much of a waiting game there is. So a little bit different today than when I listen to that podcast, because Joel Embiid's injury, I think impacts things. And I think Zach Levine and obviously Zach Levine, there was a feeling kind of like, okay, DeJounte Murray has got to be the first one to fall. So if Atlanta's really going to move DeJounte Murray, you know, LA's holding all of their cards, D'Angelo Russell and everything else, before to go get DeJounte Murray. Well, there's a few other teams that if the Lakers are somehow not going to give the extra pick or do it, they really don't have that many picks to give, but give that extra piece that suddenly want to jump into DeJounte Murray that suddenly are not going to be, that are not actively involved in anything else until they know that. You're, you're not giving up, until the Murray trade goes through, you're not giving up your pieces to somebody else unless there's a better player that's available. And as of right now, it feels as though DeJounte Murray's the best player available in the trade deadline. 
if in fact he's available. So what jumped out to me from a jazz standpoint is I, I have this vision and I, I think it's true. Justin today is incredibly active and involved and there's lots of things and they're all percolating, but I don't feel like the jazz are on the top of the priority list for any of them. One, the jazz don't have unbelievable urgency where they have to go give up the first, an extra pick or give an extra asset to be able to go get a deal done, right? Like they have their price for let's use DeJounte Murray. He's been the most talked about. Like, I do I think the Jazz are involved in DeJounte Murray talks? Sure. I think the Jazz are talking to Atlanta and they want to know what the prices. Because if suddenly the Nick, the the Lakers don't play along and give up what they want to, and the price goes down, DeJounte Murray's got a, a pretty good player with a pretty good contract. And now all of a sudden you decide, oh, well, we'll use some of our assets for this. But if until that moment, the other teams you might want to play around and do a deal with are probably not going to get it, be able to get involved. Or I'm trying to think of a team. Um, I, I am, you know, I'm boring, by the way, here this time of year. I fully understand what our players are going through. And this sucks for them. And so I am trying not to say names of players. Uh, and you will not hear me say names of players this week um, for us. Because it's just too raw and too real and their wives and family members and parents are listening to this and it just doesn't do anyone any good. But it's real. Let's not deny it's going on. They're all going to take a big, huge, deep sigh of relief. All of them will take a big, huge, deep sigh of relief on Thursday when it's over. But let's say that, you know, uh, Orlando Magic are are looking to make a deal and suddenly Jalen Suggs is available, a player I've talked about a lot. I don't think he is, but let's just go with it. Um you know, he's probably not moving until DeJounte Murray moves. Anybody's going to be involved in the Jalen Suggs is probably also involved in DeJounte Murray. And so it just, there's, their dominoes are going to have to fall. And so what I really feel like on Utah right now is the situation is that they've made these moves or they've made the situation where they're in a position to be involved with everything, but they're not at the top of the pecking order. And so they could have deals that they think are going to get done, but that could get blown up three or four times before it actually gets time to, for that deal to get done. And And that was my biggest takeaway from, from actually listening to that Dunk Down podcast, just the amount of little things. The other thing is I think there'll be a ton of movement. And there's going to be a bunch of salary shifting and player shifting. Is there going to be seismic change to the playoff race? I don't think so. But you never know. I mean, if the Warriors move Andrew Wiggins, that's pretty seismic. Um, and again, I don't think Andrew Wiggins goes until DeJounte Murray deal gets done. And so someone who's in on one of, if you're in on one of those, I think you're waiting to, to see like what happens. And then frankly, the nice thing that happens is if you hang out a little longer on some of these deals, yes, the players might not be as high profile, but frankly, there aren't as many other suitors, right? So that's this that's how this works. So from a, what do I expect out of the Jazz this week? Um, I, I think deals will get done. I do not think they're totally in control of their own destiny. I don't think we're on the top of the list. I don't think we're willing to roll out the most options at all times. And I don't think that, um, but I, and I do think there's a real chance we could make a move where we add a player that helps us get better between now and April 15th of 2024, but with the intention of making us better in 2018. And at the same time, we move a player that makes us less good for uh, between now and April 15th of 2024, 20, uh, because the overall picture makes us better in 2028. That that's that's my I think they'll actually we could do both. Just kind of makes it a wild, schizophrenic, crazy, makes us all a little nuts. 
uh, approach. Last night was, we're just getting started on the show today, by the way. Last night was super fun. The Jazz were really, really good defensively. And we're going to talk about it coming up uh, on what the Jazz, the progress the Jazz made last night uh, with Will Hardy getting a few days of practice and putting the focus uh, on them. That's coming up as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross and in Logan. The Chevy Trucks. That's Americana. The Murdochs are right there with you with 80 plus years in Utah, a combination that is absolutely fabulous. The Murdochs and Chevy. The Silverado truck is the King Poobah. You feel like you're just riding up above the world, having a great time uh, and feeling like you're in total control. The Colorado's the smaller, zippier truck, and they're all at Murdoch Chevy, located right off the freeway in Woods Cross on your way up to Bountiful uh, in Woods Cross. So make sure you stop on by. If you're going to stop by, feel free to email me first. We'll get you the VIP experience courtesy of Lockdown. The SUV lineup, the Tahoe and the Suburban are on the top leg of it. The tracks uh, there for you as well, plus the Blazer and the Trailblazers, the improved Chevy lineup of trucks. That's all at Murdoch Chevy, located at Woods Cross and in Logan. If you're going to stop by, email me first. Let's get you taken care of and give you that VIP experience that you deserve with Lockdown. Today's show is brought to you as well by LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. That's what you want to be able to do. You want to post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It's a vast network with more than a billion professionals, that which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere. LinkedIn does this all while making the process easy and easy. Intuitive. I like numbers. So how about this? So easy, in fact, that 86% of small business get a qualified candidate. Within 24 hours, LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing many hats. Yes, they are. And might not have time to hire resources. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. 2.5 million businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Go to LinkedIn.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports TV channel on streaming 24-7 TV channel on YouTube. It's called Locked On Sports Today. It's also available for you now on Amazon Fire Television with Locked On Sports Today. In fact, it's up on my right now. All right. We played defense. It was so fun. We were good last night. Uh, having lost six of eight, ranking 30th in the league in defense coming into the game, the Jazz had a 108 defensive rating last night, which is terrific on a Bucks team that, while it was tired, is still a very good offensive team. Dame Lillard did not look quite right last night. Give the Jazz credit, but he didn't also look right. Um, he wasn't. He looked old. He just did not look good last night. I'm sure he'll bring it back together. Um, but really terrific because uh, Will Hardy kind of talked. We talked about in the post game press con- pre game press conference. Um, and the Jazz had had their defensive rating in the previous three games was a 140, 130, and a 131. And last night, the defensive rating was a 112.5. That could have two days rest. Okay, lots of reasons. I don't care. It just was nice to see. Um, The other thing was last night, we forced 12.5% of possessions as turnovers, and the three previous game was 7, 7, and 5. We literally had stopped turning it over. And the third one was we had started to allow a tremendous amount of offensive rebounds, and last night, the Jazz were in the 95th percentile in defensive rebounding. Um, At 85% of all of the misses, they garnered themselves. That's one of the best ratings. That's the second best defensive rating 
uh, rebounding performance of the Jazz all season long. And Will Hardy last night, when I asked him pregame what <clears throat> was going on with the defense, he said it was two things. He said it was transition, and he said that it was rebounding. And that's the second best rebounding night of the year. Last night, the defense, the transition was still pretty frequent. Uh, it wasn't as outrageous as Brooklyn, where they were in transition, like I think it was 16% of the time. Um, but I, or no, that was us. Um, but it was better last night in defending in transition. We still allowed a tremendous amount of transition. Now, the cleaning the glass numbers I'm using are an estimation and not actually always accurate. Um, but they're an estimation based on the box score. But the bigger story is that when the box were in transition last night, we defended it well. The combination of the three previous games was that not only were we allowing teams to be in transition a tremendous amount, we weren't defending it. The Knicks were actually at two points of possession in transition, according to cleaning the glass. Again, that's a little bit of a box score estimation. Not So it was great. Last night in the first quarter, our defensive rating was a 104. We set the tone early. That's really, really good. League average offense is you know up towards nearing it's not quite 120 right now, but it's just getting awfully close. It's about 117, I think, or is the 116.3. But if you go um, just grab the last month since or since the top of the year, go since January 1st, the offensive rating in the league uh, is 117. So keeping someone to 104 is great. The second and third quarters weren't super. We got hit by the 19-2 to two run in the second quarter. Um it was a 137, and the third quarter was a 133. But if you actually dig into it, what happened in those quarters is the Bucs made an, just kind of some unnatural shooting things took place um, in those quarters, you know, because you weren't allowing a bunch of offensive rebounds and you weren't uh, – you were tr doing everything a little bit better. The Bucs, above the break three, uh, or they were five of 11 on threes, which is just a little high, right? That's one or two buckets. And their mid-range game, non-paint restricted in the second quarter – uh, was six of 10. Okay. Well, that should have been four of 10. And then they should have missed it. And like, suddenly if you start adding those up, then you get your, your, your back into the ballpark. The honest was four of four on jumpers last night. And the third quarter, same thing happened, but their three point shooting again was, uh, six of nine in the quarter. Like good night. Um, actually it was six of 10 in the quarter, still same concept. And their non paint restricted was four of six. So, I mean, that's just not natural. And so, to the Jazz credit, they stayed in the game and didn't get beaten down by it. And that's the most impressive part of last night's win is that they stayed with it. They stayed in focus, stayed in the task. They really did a great job. They allowed four shots at the rim in the first quarter. This is with Giannis. They allowed two shots at the rim in the second quarter. They allowed two shots at the rim in the third quarter. They only allowed two shots at the rim in the fourth quarter. And some of that's Walker, but and Walker was good in this when Walker was at the rim. They went three of seven when Walker was inside six feet. It's the closest defender last night. And they went nine of twenty-four when Walker was the closest defender overall. Walker was great. Um, they actually missed a bunch of threes when Walker came at him. Uh, but I also think just defensively, schematically, multiple guys guarding Giannis. Scott Morrison told us pregame he wanted you know they want two or three guys guarding Giannis at all times. We saw it visibly that that's what the Jazz were able to do last night. And they just took away the rim. And by taking away the rim, eventually the other shots didn't fall. And then I do think fatigue kicked in. They were two, The Bucs were 2 of 12 um, from 3 in uh, the fourth quarter. And the Jazz took advantage of that. But if you're playing, I'm, I'm a huge shot distribution defensive guy. I, I just think that's actually where defense starts in this league, is if you can get 
the shot distribution right over the course of a season, the numbers all skew. Um, you've heard me talk about this a lot, but if you if you look at teams' defensive three-point shooting, like right now, Houston's unnaturally good at 34.8, as is Portland, but you get really down to it. The, 20, the fourth best team and the 27th best team are separated by four percentage points from 35 to 39. Like it just... And maybe some of that's your long and you're going after guys. But the fact is, it just kind of whittles down as the season goes on to the median level at 37.2 is three-point shooting this year. And that's where you are. And so if you can make sure that teams are shooting not first not the rim, second non-corner threes, and third non-above the break threes, and you really can't take away all three, you're in pretty good shape. The Jazz are the 11th best team in the NBA at location effective field goal percentage. We are the 13th best team at denying the rim. We're allowing too many corner threes. We're 28th in, oh, that's a frequency. We're actually getting burned. Let me redo that. Um, we're actually getting burned by corner threes this year. Like teams are making an unnatural amount. They should start missing. But we're the 11th best team at denying the rim. We're the 11th best team at denying corner threes. And we're the 20th best team at forcing above the break threes. So we allow the above the, or 23rd uh, best team at above the break three. So we allow the above the break three. We try to take away the corner three and the rim. And if we could get a little bit better on both those, that'd be great. But overall, we're the 11th best team in field goal percentage defense. Um, you know, the Warriors are the best. They only allow 25% of shots at the rim. It's kind of a crazy low number. Um, 33% of all shots right now in the NBA are being taken at the rim. 36% of all shots are being taken as threes, if you're wondering how that works. Uh, so we really, last night was a case where we did a good job with the effective field or defensive location shots in that came and finally paid be benefits dividends for us by the end of the night. I thought there were a few guys that deserved accolades last night. Well, there were a lot, a lot of guys really played well. I did want to single out one or two things. So Jordan's in the midst of a kind of miserable shooting slump. Um, things like five is last 30 from three or something terrible. Um, and I thought there was an interesting moment last night where he took a shot and it got as a fan of the team, it got my ire and it was like, come on, Jordan, like self-awareness. And then he showed perfect self-awareness. Like he took a heat check. Like, do I have it? Can I carry this team late? Nope, I can't. I still don't have it. And from that point on, I really thought he played just a really heady, smart game. There was about 449 left in the game and he pulls up for three. It was not a great look and he missed it. And he actually gets a layup attempt right after that that he misses. But then from the rest of the night, he, one, didn't take another shot. He, um, But he also just conducted the offense and collected things. What I thought was too bad when I went back and looked at it, he actually didn't get credit for any assists in the final 443. But I thought he was really, really good at moving the basketball, right? Like Kessler hits Keontae for a dunk, which is probably, I think, may have started off it. Um, Clarkson does get the one shot off the Olenek cutting layup off an Olenek in there um, where he – He's to my to my point. He's like moving without the basketball and playing the game correctly, understanding how I can be helpful to this team right now. Um, and then Keontae hits the really aggressive threes in the game winner uh, last night. It was pretty awesome to see Key get it going. Key's this is, in my opinion, an important stretch for Keontae, and here's why. And I know this might sound stupid, but if if you shoot below forty percent from the field and below 33% from three in your rookie year, 
the track record's not super. Now, that doesn't just automatically mean that, like, if you don't do those things, you're it's a problem. But to me, there is something to it. And he's got 20 games to move past those two numbers. Like, can he, in the last 20 games of the year, shoot 42 43% from the field and shoot 35 36% from three and just have both those numbers pop out of that category? And then that just, that's the progression and shows the growth. And I think it's important. You know, it sounds kind of silly, but like January, he shot 39%, 30% from, th- from the field and 30% from three and clearly kind of hit the rookie wall. Now can you bound out of it? And can you show in the final 23, four games that you can actually get the ball to go in? Like, I think it's, it's super important. And if you look at his last four games, we're beginning to see really, really nice signs. That he's taking 10 shots a game, 11 shots a game, shooting 53% and 40% from three. That's the hottest he's been all year. That's more than I would expect. But I do think that this matters a little bit for him to be able to start making some of these shots with this aggressiveness. And I think it's important, frankly, here's what I think is most important in regards to this, is that he before this last five-game stretch or four-game stretch where he's played well, the previous five-game stretch, he shot 22% from the field and 29% from three, and he didn't go in the tank. To me, that's actually probably the most important thing, is that the Houston, New Orleans, Washington, Chicago, OKC stretch, he shoots 22%. He, like, doesn't make a two for, like, a while. I think he makes – he makes he goes two straight – three straight games without making a two, and I think he makes two twos in five games while also – not shooting particularly well from three. Like, it was a tough stretch. I think he hit the rookie wall. He looked tired. We talked about it on the show. He, he didn't seem to be engaged the way he had been all year. And now we're seeing him, you know, much more aggressively. He talked about a conversation he had with Evan Brads, who just kind of said, let's go. Like, be you. It's good for the team. And we're seeing that. So let's see what we see next. I do think it's important that he makes some shots and gets those numbers up. And I do think that um, – but I think that the best part is the fact that he's come out aggressively after a bad stretch. That tells me a lot. Um, about who the kid is. All right, let's look at a few more teams in the trade deadline. Um, Ron and I talked about it last night on Postcast, and you can go back and listen to it, by the way. You know, the closing lineup, obviously, last night's the story. Four guys that just had not been playing particularly well or particularly often, and, you know, Will rolls them out uh, from that. All right, we're going to look at the Pelicans, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Magic, and the 76ers when we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz in the next segment is brought to you by our friends over at BetterHelp. BetterHelp, convenient, flexible online therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. When I think of BetterHelp, the way I love to talk about, I love to talk about therapy. Um, The way I like to talk about it um, is the fact that it, is performance enhancing. That's how I view it. So think about your brain as a muscle and your actions and how do you control them, understand them, figure out what's going on, why are you in the same rut all the time, big or small, whatever it might be, it's important to find out what, you know, what's going on and what why your life is being lived the way you are, why your interactions are the way they are. And that's where therapy comes in as being something that I see as performance enhancing. Therapy may be different for everyone, Sometimes I have big problems. Sometimes it's minor. So identify uh, what it is, being upset, sad, whatever you want to try to avoid, and see how you can uh, help yourself with BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA for 10% off your first month with BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's Super Bowl week. It's also a trade deadline week, but it's really Super Bowl week. That's really what everyone's fired up for. So let's get going. Here's how it works. It is FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And if you're like me, Super Bowl is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks. And if you want to, you can place a few bets. So here's the deal. FanDuel has so many ways for you to get the W. If you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. I suggest you get those bonus bets during the week so then you can use them on Super Bowl Sunday and have a great time with FanDuel. Jazz and the Thunder tomorrow. That game will be available on Sirius XM as well as Utah Jazz app and NBA app. All games are on the hometown broadcast. What's our week? Thunder, then we fly to Phoenix, then we come back to play the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Warriors, right? Isn't that what we're doing? Yeah, and then All-Star break. Our All-Star break one day shorter <clears throat> than it was originally, which is understandable. All right, let's take a look at... Um, some of these teams, we've been kind of just running through every team to try to understand what their possibilities are, what they might do, um, and where they are. Let's look at the Pels. Um, Pels are really interesting. I think we looked at them a little bit the other day um, <clears throat> in that I think Dyson Daniels is an interesting piece for them, former ninth pick of the draft, 20 years old, not shooting it well. Five, six million, would they be willing to move that to go get a piece that helps them? Larry Nance has been really vital to them and Herb Jones at 12 million. I think, and then Jonas is a free agent at the end of the year. They're up against the tax. He's 31. I just think those are all interesting names that I'm sure they're banting about. Some are probably better offseason moves. New Orleans feels to me like they're really close and they just haven't quite broken through um, to what they need to do. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. The Pelicans intrigue me a great deal. Um, in the trade deadline. Here's the Knicks are a team with Evan Fournier's 18 million. We all kind of know they're that that's going to move, but they've already done the OG Ananobi deal. We'll see what else they pull off. Mitchell Robinson out for the is likely out for the year, but they have him signed for another three years. Josh Hart's an interesting player who does a million things for them, but he also has a really tr like nice, movable, tradable contract with 23 million on the backside as a club contract. So you just Again, if there's a piece out there, you can sit. And then they have a multitude of draft picks, as we've talked about um, in the past. So let's go to the Thunder, who have the Davis Bertans piece at $17 million. That's another one I think everyone thinks is going to move at some point here in the process. And then there's obviously a lot of question of whether Josh Giddy goes. So those, those three teams, I think, are really vital here in the trade deadline as you move. Orlando, to me, is just this team that's never made the shift. Jonathan Isaac at 17 million. Markel Fultz at 17 million. Both, I think, you know, interesting pieces. Extent Markel Fultz is extension eligible. Um, that Gary Harris at 13 million. They've got lots. Joe Ingles, frankly, at 11 million with a club option option for next year. They have a lot of movable pieces here. Um, 
I don't know what player is going to become available that mo- that they would think is a piece of their f- future, but they also have a little bit of too many pieces. Mo Wagner, 8 million could be interesting to people. Um, they Orlando could piece together some really interesting deals and is worth, worth keeping an eye on. And at some point they have to start figuring out who they're going to pay and who they're not going to pay. Jalen Suggs, who's been starting for them, is at $7 million this year and $9 million next year, and then restricted free agent extension eligible in the offseason. Obviously, they're going to play Paulo. They're obviously going to play Franz Wagner. And then who are their next guys? You know, Anthony Black is now on the books for them for four more years as their first-round pick this year. Cole Anthony, they signed in the offseason. He's getting 12 or 13 coming up um, here shortly. At some point, they have to start whittling away and narrowing down their pieces. Um It'll be interesting to see if this is when they do it. The 76ers now, with Joel Embiid out for an extended period of time, get interesting. They have Here's what they have on the books next year. This is crazy. They have Joel Embiid at $51 million next year. They have Paul Reed at $7 million last year, because we made them do that. They have Jaden Springer at $4 million. That's it. That's it. Tyrese Maxey's restricted free agent is going to get paid. They don't have another player under contract next year. They have a tremendous amount of tradable deals right now. Marcus Morris Sr., 17 million. Nicholas Batum, 11 million. Robert Covington, 12 million. DeAnthony Melton, 8 million. All of them expiring deals. Um, I think they want to keep their powder drive for free agency or something of the sort, but they have a lot of things they can do. Um, They have their pick this year. Next year's pick goes to Oklahoma City. Um, I think they get the least of the pick in 2026 from Oklahoma City. In 2027, their pick is protected and then either goes to Oklahoma City or Brooklyn. So they don't have a lot of picks. But they have the most flexibility and the craziest cap space of any team in the NBA. Phoenix needs to add to their roster. They have their 2024 pick, but it's the least favorable of Phoenix, Memphis, and Washington. Their 2025 goes to Brooklyn. Their 2026 is the least favorable of Phoenix, Orlando, and Washington. 2027 goes to Brooklyn. 2028's a swap, and 2029 goes to Brooklyn. So they have no picks to move, and they have almost no contracts to move. They're not moving one of their big threes. Nurkic is 18 million. Grayson is at 9 million, playing brilliantly, and is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Could be hard for them to resign. Nazar Little is probably the piece they're willing to move who's at $7 million. And I'll be honest, I'm surprised he's not better. He's got three years left on his deal. I, I really would love if I had, a, you know, scouts on him. Eric Gordon, Josh Kogi, Damon Lee, Decatur Beats, Jop, Drew Eubanks, Yuta Watanabe, all have player options next year. All are $3 million contracts. They're really going to have a hard time piecing together in a salary to get anything, to get a deal done. Nazar Little is interesting to me. I, I always thought he should be better, better than he is. Um, but he's a career 30% three-point shooter. And so until at 6'5", kind of with, he can do that, shoot the three, he's not. But he opened, you know, for a portion of his career, he's at 35, 36, and this year's at 30. And his minutes have just never been more than 13, no matter what team he's played for. At some point, you have to kind of believe he is what he is. But that's an interesting player to me. All right, that is our look. We'll continue to look all week long. Jazz with a great win last night. Hope you had fun with it. We'll get back with you uh Tomorrow, continue to look at trade deadline. Get ready for Oklahoma City Thunder. Jazz tonight getting our uh, 
uh, Jazz tonight, getting the night day off. Now we will take you to the first ever 24-7 national sports channel. It's called Locked on Sports. Today, it's also available on Amazon Fire TV. Check it out.